Turn with me to John, the fifth chapter. And there's something about age and ministry and relationship that has to do with how a person my age is received in ministry. Some of you may be looking at me this morning and saying, what is that old coot doing up there? I'm doing what old coots do. I'm sitting down. But what I have to say, I make no apologies for, because I'm going to talk to you straight from my heart, out of the Word of God. And before I get into the message this morning, there's two or three things I want to address. Not problems, but for the sake of clarifying and helping understanding. And one of the first things that I want to point out is how to gain the, the most benefit out of a message when uh, a preacher is, is uh, bringing the word of God. And one of the first things that you want to keep in mind is this. Does it resonate with me? Does it speak to me? Does it speak to you? Secondly, can I hear the Lord speaking to me through the word? That's important. And thirdly, do I sense his anointing on what I'm hearing? That's the most precious commodity that a preacher can have is to know the anointing of the Holy Spirit and to know that what he's saying is God-inspired, God-breathed into his spirit to minister to those that he's endeavoring to help. Having said that, I have a question I want to ask you. This is what they call a rhetorical question. doesn't require an answer. When a problem rises up for you personally, do you know how to use your faith to get through it? Or do you have to depend on the faith of others to pray and do the believing for you? Now that's not saying there's anything wrong with calling for others to pray with you. But what I'm saying is, where do you see yourself in this overall picture? One of the things that I have observed in recent years is a growing tendency of people to shift from one church to another. They get tired of maybe internal squabbling. Maybe they get tired of the feeling of it being the same old, same old. But a lot of times, it's not for good reasons. It's just that they, they want to get away from responsibility and difficulty. And my question on that is this. How are we going to grow if we don't persevere and press through those things? 
How will we become the people that God wants us to be and to affect our community if we are not people who know how to sink down deep roots and pray through and stick it out and work to make a change? Amen? Okay. Thanks for those two amens. I hope they increase more later. (laughs) Another thing that I want to address before I get into the message is this. There's a growing tendency in many churches for people to just come and sit and observe and listen to the worship team rather than entering into worship as the worship team is leading. Now I know that our worship team worked very hard at uh, doing their best to lead us in worship. But somebody needs to say something about this once in a while. And pastor's away and I can sneak in and say some things. You just wait. I'm going to get you. This is a very important thing because it's as we worship that our spirit makes a contact with God. There's something about the collective worship of a people who love God, who are pressing in spiritually. I have seen more miracles happen just in worship than any other time that I can think of. And I want to encourage you to think about that. Don't be a spectator. Be a participator. Come in with the intention of worshiping him. And if you can't worship, address the issues that are taking away the desire to worship and deal with it so that you can be a person who is really growing spiritually. Okay. Our text for today's message, John 5, 1 through 15, actually 1 through 5, but uh, the whole chapter is necessary. And it gives the story of Jesus healing the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. Unique about this story is not that there were many people there but that only one was healed when Jesus could have healed them all he could have emptied that place I don't know how many were there but it it sounds like when you read the story it sounds like there might have been thousands of them there looking at our text it says sometime later Jesus went to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate uh, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned 
that he had been in that condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Now I have to tell you, if I had been in that state and somebody came along and I didn't know it was the Lord and this man didn't know it was the Lord, and he asked me, you want to get well? I'd say, what a stupid question. What do you think I'm here for? But Jesus said, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. What a, what a great story about Jesus. What a great story to be the center of our message this morning. There are three things that I want to give you that are steps to having the waters of your life stirred. Three steps that are in this text. And the first one is, know what you want. Be hungry. My mother used to tell us kids when we were little, don't go eating sweet stuff just before supper. You'll ruin your appetite. How many of you heard that? Sure. You'll ruin your appetite. Well, you know that's true. And it also applies spiritually. A lot of times we are careless about the stuff that we take in. And sometimes we've just taken in so much that we just don't seem to have room for anything else. I, I've seen some people that were so full of all the things that they've heard, tape messages and radio and TV broadcasts and all of that stuff. They were so full of that stuff that if you pat them on the back, they'd burp a hallelujah. We need to be hungry so that we will take in, so that we will reach out after him with a strong desire. This man was hungry for healing. And sometimes people only come to the Lord for what they can get out of the relationship, not what they can give. That isn't necessarily the case here, but for two cents more, I thought I'd throw that in. Amen. Suffering for 38 years, he's laying there by the pool of Bethesda, probably uh, most of that time, would prove the fact that he wanted to be healed in response to Jesus. Jesus questioned, do you want to get well? coupled with the obvious fact of his being there and suffering from that length of time, called for something more in his acknowledgement of his desire. Something more. 
than a passive acceptance of his circumstances. You know, when, when you stop and think about it, a lot of the reason why we're not hungry is we've become passively acceptant of our circumstances and just decided to live with it. And Jesus came on the scene to make a difference. And that's what he is on the scene for today. He is real. He is alive. He is a breathing person who feels and cares about you. Don't take what he promises in a passive way. Let it churn into you. Let it cause something to rise up within you like a hunger. Oh, God, what I need. How much I need of you. And out of hunger, reach out to him. I guarantee you, you'll not come back empty-handed. Jesus' question to the lame man was designed to waken him from lethargic hope to acute awareness of his circumstances. I love this text. I've preached on it many times. And I'll preach more if I can get my notes to separate here. The second principle, the second step to having the waters of your life stirred is God speaks to us through his word. Be a good listener. Listen to what he's saying in his word. Jesus said to him, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Now, the average person today, if they got that kind of an answer from the Lord, rather than being instantly healed before they got up to walk, they'd say, you're crazy. I can't do anything like that. I've been this way for 38 years. They begin arguing with him about the impossibility of what he's saying to do. The problem that many people have in getting what they need from the Lord is not that the Lord hasn't answered their prayers. It's that they don't like the answer they got. Are you listening to that? Yes, sir. When you've prayed and you've said, Lord, help me. Lord, I have this need. What have you done with the answer that he's given you? Are you listening? Are you listening to him? What have you done with the answer he's given you? Because his answers most often come through our getting up and moving as he's directed. Amen. Yeah. They most often come through 
are moving ourselves, stirring ourselves, and responding in kind with what he's saying to do. Too often we're, we just sit back and wait and say, well, Lord, I'm waiting for your healing. And the Lord's saying, get up. Oh, but Lord, I'm waiting. I've prayed so long. He's saying, get up. Get off that mat. Get out of that self-pity. Hear what he's saying to you. The lame man would never have known that the Lord healed him had he not listened to what he said to him. He would have laid there on that mat, healed, but not knowing he was healed. And the same is true for many today. Probably many of us here tonight, today. That God has answered your prayer, but you haven't moved as he directed to do. Oh, this is good stuff, folks. This gets right down where you live. Our listening needs to be with that inner ear. We need to hear in our spirit man. We need to hear with the hearing of faith. You say, I can't, I can't believe yet. Read things that build your faith. Listen to things that build your faith. Get away from the negative thinking and watching all the junk that's on TV and reading those stupid magazines. Get out of the world of make-believe and fantasy and into the reality of what life is all about. And listen to what he's saying. Because what he's saying is the key. What he's saying is the key to what you need. To the seven churches in Revelation, the common word to, that went to all seven of them was this. He that hath ears, reach up and touch your ears. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. It needs to get down into here. It needs to get past the arguments that are here. The memories of things that didn't work right or the problems, things that you know. It needs to get past that into our believer. Are you still with me? Yes, sir. I heard this story years ago that there was a man that was climbing up the face of the mountain and he was about to reach the crest 
and he started slipping and slipping faster and faster and there was a great yawning chasm below him and he momentarily got stopped because his hand caught a small bush growing out of the side of the cliff and as he was holding on to that bush he could see that it was gradually pulling away from the rocks and he cried out and he said oh God help me and he heard this voice say let go and he said is there anybody else up there of course we all know that that was intended for humor I hope it made you smile a little bit. I didn't hear many groans, so let's go on. Number three, take it personal. What God is saying is to you. It's to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's speaking to you. Verse 8 says, Jesus said to him, get this, said it to him. The word is God speaking to you. Too often we read it like a newspaper or like some magazine, but we don't take it personal. And consequently, it doesn't impact our believer, that part of us inwardly, where we we grasp with the ability to believe and to hope for an answer from God. Instead of just laying there in whatever state we're in, we need to rise up. As Jesus said to the man on the mat, rise up in the strength and authority of the word and accept the answer he chooses. Get it? He chooses for us. Stop looking for your answer and start looking at what he has given as an answer. There's the key. When we learn to accept and work through his answers, the outcome is always more satisfying than your choices would have been. How many of you would say this morning, I'm so glad that God didn't answer some of my prayers the way that I was praying? You'd raise your hand or say amen. Okay, so you're giving... uh, Affirmation of that. Can you stand one more little funny story? Yes, sir. This farmer was standing out in his field, and I saw many fields like this when we pastored in Nebraska. And he had seen this hailstorm go by, and it had ripped his corn to shreds. And the year before, a drought had hit, and he had nothing. And several years before that, things had gone wrong. Tractor broke down. 
well went dry. And he's standing out there in the field and he's complaining to God and he says, God, what's the matter with me? Why is all this happening to me? And he hears this voice and says, I don't know, Herman, there's just something about you that ticks me off. <laughs> a lot of people a lot of people believe that that's the kind of God we serve. That's a lot of baloney. The Bible tells us a story about a king by the name of Hezekiah. And there was a time when in his kingdom things were going really well. And he suddenly was stricken with a disease that he was going to die from. And as he laid on his bed, he rolled over against the wall and he wept before God and he said, Lord, can you change my circumstances? Can you heal me? And he did. The end of that story is not the kind of a story that you like to see, but it's always good to look at the end. You see, that's what God is most concerned about with all of us. What we're becoming. Where we're going. And as this man, this king, Hezekiah, was healed, a few years later, it wasn't very long later, he had visitors from other kingdoms come and visit. And he took them down into their storage where the treasury was, and he showed them all the wealth of his kingdom. And it wasn't too long later that these same people that had seen his wealth came and attacked and overthrew and robbed his kingdom. You see, sometimes the things that we pray for are not God's will. But in the case of this king, God gave him what he asked for. And if he had it to do all over again, you can be sure that he would not have done what he did. I want to say to you this morning as we close, where are you this morning in your thinking, your relationship with the Lord? Have you come to a place where you're at peace over your life and what's happening? Are there unanswered questions? Are there problems that you're dealing with where you don't know what the answers are? Let me tell you this. If you heard Jesus speak to you through what he said to this lame man, you have an answer. Rise up in what he's saying. Get off that mat of do nothing, of self-pity. Get up off of it and carry it off. And one last thing I want to say to you in this is this. 
Jesus healed the man so that he could get up and get out of that crowd. He could have healed him and left him there, but all the negative talk, all the rest of the people around there who hadn't seen him walk yet, may have talked him out of what God was doing for him. Don't let yourself get trapped by negative talk. God isn't doing this today. Or they're questioning and doubtful things. Don't let yourself get trapped by that. When Jesus says to you, get up, take up your mat and walk. Get up and do it because you don't belong there anymore. You don't belong on that mat. You don't belong laying down there in that self-pity. Get up out of it and watch what the Lord will do. He isn't going to do it while you stay there. It's when you get up. Bow your heads with me, with you, will you please? Lord, in the name of Jesus, we lift up all these needs to you. We ask you to stretch forth your hand through your mercy and grace to minister to each of these. Help them, Lord, to hear what you're saying to the church. Help them to find faith and grace, Lord, to get up off of their mats, to begin to walk in faith, to trust you, to trust you, Lord, for victory, and not to lay back down on those mats, but to take them up and carry them off somewhere. To get away from that old crowd and to walk in victory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, there's no law that says you can't give somebody a brother or sisterly hug. So let's just hug each other and let that be our benediction. God bless you all this morning.